for the Wildcats. Cameron, another look. Yes! You're listening to Straight Out of Whack. Kobe Knox! The fail! Bella Earl, that's where she's special, and one. Through his legs for Mike Key. Oh my! Three for the lead! Got it! Lamar Wilkerson with 1.3 left to go! Here's your host, Kyle McDonald. Yeah, so I know it says host Kyle McDonald in the intro to the Straight Out of Whack podcast episode, but Kyle handed the reins over for this newest episode where I speak with Tarleton AD, Lon Reisman. Here's my interview with the longtime Texans athletic director. But yeah, okay, yeah, this is uh, Mike Sudhalter um, for Whack Hoops Digest, a very special guest, the athletic director and the longtime uh, men's basketball, head men's basketball coach at Tarleton State University. Uh, Lon Reisman, how are you doing today, Lon? Doing great, Mike. Thank you. All right, great. Um, well, I'm sure just like a lot of people, you watched the uh, championship game the other night. Uh, that's kind of an unprecedented run. What did you think about uh, Coach Dan Hurley and the uh, UConn Huskies? Well, I can tell you what, my bracket was, it took a beating this year. I, I promise you that. <laughs> it was a, you know, there was a lot of upsets, but I was really impressed with UConn. I thought that you know they 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 they're a very talented team. I, I really thought that after Rick Pitino played them when he played them against the first round with Iona, my understanding is he went up to Hurley after the game says you know you have a real chance to win the national championship. And I think Rick's been there many times, and I did see that they had that kind of conversation. At least that's what they reported, and uh, he was right because UConn was very good. But just through coaching circles, have you had a chance to meet uh, Dan or any of the? Hurley family before? No, I've I, I been, been around them, but never really had a chance to sit down and visit with them. But uh, I know that they're a, you know, they're a basketball family, that's for sure. And, uh, and uh, watched, uh, watched, uh, watched them, watched, uh, I think it's uh, Bobby Hurley. I think that he played at Duke. And right. He did a great job. And, uh, and so uh, I, know that, I know that they have a, a very, uh, very uh, uh, basketball background. And that's a, it's a basketball family. Yeah, yeah. Well, shifting closer to the WAC, we had a school—a school you actually that your school actually beat—make the Final Four of the uh, NIT in Utah Valley. So, talk about what that meant for the conference. Well, I think you know that I think the conference did a really you know, they had, a, had a good showing in the NIT. You know, you had Utah Valley did a great job. In the NIT got all the way, all the way to Orleans again, and uh, Sam Houston State. Uh, which is going to I know I realize they're going to Conference USA, but they were in the in the WAC this year. Uh, they had they, no, I thought they had a good run in the NIT. You know, they go out and beat a, a, a WCC team in Santa Clara on the road. Um, I, I I I just thought that we really had a we had a very outstanding year in WAC basketball, and I think that we got the visibility that we need to, to uh, continue our journey to one day have a two bid league. Okay. So, uh, for you, your early years, I noticed that you were born in North Carolina, but you graduated from Pittsburgh State out there in southeastern Kansas, which I know well because my, my first uh, newspaper job was in Carthage, Missouri, just over the, the state line. So, how did you end up going from North Carolina to Pittsburgh State, Kansas? I actually was born in western New York, outside of Buffalo. Okay. I lived, I lived in Buffalo, or I lived outside of Buffalo, around Olean, New York, Cuba, New York, where I was born and raised until I was in the ninth grade, and my father was transferred into the North Carolina. He was a manufacturing specialist for Acme Electric. We went down there, 
And then after two years being there, I went out to military academy. Um, I had, happened to be my head high school coach. Took a job in Florida at a at Florida Air Academy. Okay. And, uh, they, the scholarship at the Coffeeville Junior College and played college basketball at Coffeeville. Then I went on over to Pittsburgh State and Pittsburgh, Kansas. So, um, did you know, was it during your time at Pittsburgh, or was it after that you knew that you wanted to get into coaching? Well, you know, I, I knew I wanted to be. Coaching has always been in my blood. This was part of my life with basketball. I wanted to be very involved in it, and I was very fortunate to have some outstanding coaches, and Gene Duke, who was at Coffeyville at the time, and Bill Ivey, who happened to be at Fort Scott Community College, who was my high school coach, and he went into Fort Scott Community College and became their head coach. I went in there and, and helped assist him and then was lucky to uh, go to Arkansas State University and uh, work for Marvin Adams and start my college career, kept moving up from there, went to Arkansas State, and then finally went over to Southeast Oklahoma and with Jack Hedden and uh, became an assistant coach over there and kind of propelled my career after I coached, uh, coached and recruited Dennis Rodman. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Dennis Rodman. Um, do you have any uh, stories about him from you know the early days that <laughs> I have stories about him, sure. You know, I mean, uh, I guess, you know, people ask me about that at all the time. I've been interviewed so many times about Dennis Rodman over the years, year after year after year. I mean, yes, I have. You know, I'll give you his first game he ever played for us. Um, we were playing up at Langston, Oklahoma. He was a young sophomore. Um, you know, he's kind of 6'8", very gangly, and and uh, didn't know what to expect out of him. You know, we, we knew that he would someday could be a good player. But he went out that night, and, uh, wow, I think he had 28 points and 19 rebounds. Wow. Game. And I went in, and, uh, and he looked at me and said, did I do okay tonight? Was it okay? <laughs> I said, Dennis, if you get 29 and 18 every night, we're going to be really good someday. We're going to be really good. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, he was a fantastic player for us. Uh, I mean, he is, uh, you know, I mean, he is, he's in the Hall of Fame in the Basketball Hall of Fame. I think one of the things that I really appreciate about Dennis is that he didn't forget where he came from. Uh, uh, if you look at the Hall of Fame inductions, I, I, I was very humbled and uh, very, uh, I don't know, I just very emotional that the first person he mentioned was me. Wow, yeah, that's amazing. So what do you think it was that you saw in him that maybe other people missed out on? Well, I know he had great heart. He had a, you know, he had a motor that you just don't, you just, you can't find in, in every student, in, in any athlete today. I mean, he just had a motor. He used to tell me, you know, when he was playing for the Pistons early, I said, you know, you're really doing well. But he says, you know, coach, I just don't take any, I don't take any, any time off. You know, and sometimes in the league, you'll see a player take a day, a, a series or two off. I don't take any series off. I just, I continue to play. You know, he's the kind of player who would play for 40 minutes in the NBA. And then after he's done, he'll get on the bicycle and and, and, and go ride in, in, in the locker room. He'll ride that for a half hour to an hour. I mean, that's, wow. the guy had tremendous, tremendous energy. You know, um, you know, I, I, you know there's so many. There, he was he, he was such a a, a a great player. Man, and you know what? You know, there was great rebounders in the NBA. Well, Chamberlain, Bill, yeah, there's great ones. But there's many people think that Dennis Rodman was the greatest rebounder in history. Right, hard to argue with that. Yeah, and, and on top of that, let's remember that he was two-time NBA Defensive Player of the Year. Wow. I remember a I, <laughs> I remember a story 
we were going and I was watching him in Dallas when he was a rookie. Dick Versay was the assistant coach there. And Dick Versay, or um, Chuck Daly was the head coach. Dick Versay was the assistant coach. And they, they came and got me, took me into the locker room. And I remember Coach Daly telling me, I said, you know, I'm Dennis, you know, we met. And said, yeah, that, that guy over there is fast as a Ferrari. And uh, I went over there and he was sitting next to Bill Lambeer. And uh, Bill Lambeer was sitting there. And uh, Dennis was next to him. And of course, Bill Lambeer is about 6'11, about 295. He's a huge human being. And he got up, looked down at me, and he said, let me ask you something. Are you Dennis Rodman's coach? I said, yes, sir, I am. He says, well, are you the blankety-blank that taught him how to shoot a free throw? And I said, no, nope, I'm the one that taught him how to rebound. He said, good answer. I'm going to sit down. <laughs> oh, that's a, a good one. A lot of stories. Yeah, we could, could be here all day with that. But I wanted to ask you um, about the decision to go to Tarleton. Were they like, were they NAIA at the time when you um, accepted the position? Yes, you know, I was at Southeast Oklahoma, and I took the head job at Connors Junior College in, in Warner, Oklahoma, to become a head coach there. And uh, after one year, this job opened up down here. And you know, it was a it, <laughs> it was a, it was not a good job at the time. I you know they had had they had had one since 1962, and I took the job in '88. They had one winning season in 27 years. Oh wow! One. And I thought to myself. Man, if you can turn this around, you know that's going to be a pretty, pretty good legacy. That you know that you can do something that special. Of course, I didn't plan on being here for 36 years either. But anyways, as I turned some jobs down during during the time, but but you know this was a special place. Um, I brought in some special teams our first year. We went 18, 11, and then we went I don't know two or three years in a row, 26 and five. And when I first took, you know, if you go back and, and look at it, when I took the job over here, I think that they had like a hundred and some wins and four hundred and some eighty some losses. And it took me back to think year twenty six or twenty seven in my career to get us over five hundred finally. And now they're way over five hundred. And so I think that you know we brought the basketball program here to a powerhouse. I mean, we went to two Final Fours, we went to four Elite Eights, many Sweet Sixteens. And, uh, you know, I thought, you know, we we uh, we had a great run here in my 30 years as a head coach to build it into a powerhouse. And what about recruiting? What did you, from when you got there, how did you get the recruiting going in order to, you know, start building up the program? Well, you know, my first year here, we were in NAI school that was a non-scholarship school. So I think I, my first tryout, I had tryouts, I think I brought in about 120 kids and try to find some, qual you know, bring in quantity and try to find the quality out of them. And we did. We found some very good players and players that probably back, you know, back in 88, you can get overlooked. I mean, you're not going to, you're, you're not going to get overlooked very much anymore with all the recruiting services and everything that goes on. But back then you could find some good athletes. You can, you know, you can start turning rocks over and you can find some players. And that's how I found Dennis Robin. I found him, you know, with this turning rocks over. And, uh, you know, we, we did really well. And then finally we were doing so well that they said, Hey, listen, we're not going to let, we're not going to play you anymore. If you're going to be at any high school, you know, you guys need to move up to Division Two. So we went up to Division Two. We had a great run in Division Two, and we had great teams, and and won a lot of games, and uh, had a lot of success. And then, uh, of course, as you know, we made that transition to Division One. Yeah. So, did you recruit a lot in the um, in the Metroplex, or where did you find a lot of players? Yeah, so we recruited. You know, I'll be honest with you, when we were Division two, we recruited state of Texas first, Metroplex, the state of Texas, and then we would branch it out. You 
know, we had players from anywhere from North Carolina to California. Uh, we, we recruited pretty nationally, and I think that's why we were successful. We wanted to keep the players that were great homegrown players right here with us. But then when we needed to reach out, we reached out all over the country, and we brought a lot of players in from all over. How do you think that the transfer portal would have changed the way you did things um, if you were – if you were coaching now, like whether it's Division Two or whether it's a mid-major like you are now, like how would you adjust like for the transfer portal? Well, you know, I, I think the transfer portal was made for a couple of things that are they're not using for today. I always thought the transfer portal was made for looking at teams that maybe lost their head coach and they had signed, so they decided to go to the portal because the coach coming in did not recruit them, so they they wanted to be released and go play at another place. They went with the portal. Okay, I understood that. I think another reason the portal came into play is because some players were disenchanted with their playing time. Maybe they weren't quite the player talent-wise they needed to be at a certain level of a certain level of, of play, power five or whatever, and they feel like they wanted to drop down and be able to get more playing time at a mid-major or something. Then they got in the portal. Today, the portal is the portal is tied with the NIL somewhat, and you know, I mean, it's 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 not something that I am really in favor of. It sometimes I, it, I think it can be. You know, I'm, I'm all for the NIL. I think, you know, the players, you know, the players, name, image, likeness, that they can, you know, they can they can use that to help help themselves some. But I think there still needs to be a, a rule where we're all playing by the same rules in, in, in the NIL. And I, I think we all need to be playing. And I think that in the portal, I think there needs to be some, some I think we need to look at that again in, in the portal and make sure that we're, we're doing what the portal was made to do. And, and, and I hope that, that the NCAA continues to look at the portal and make the adjustments they need to make because, you know, you're putting a lot of time in with a student athlete. You're putting, you're putting your, your, your heart, soul with that, that student athlete. You're, you're, you're scholarshiping him. You're, you're, you're helping with his education. You're, you're helping him learn the game of basketball. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's, that, that, that young man decides to go into the portal. It is, you know, sometimes you know, it, it's, it, it's tough because – you put so much time and so much belief in, into your team with him. You're you're hoping that that loyalty will he'll want to stay and, and continue to help build a program with a coach that believed in him and brought him to the university. If I'm making some sense there, right? So as you mentioned NIL, what is uh, Charlton done or planning to do in terms of NIL stuff? Well, I think we're going to work as as a mid major. I think that we're not a power five here, but we we don't we. we Continually want to uh, support NIL. We're, we're, you know, we, we, we have a we have an NIL outside our university. There's, you know, we have uh, we have NIL out there that we're always trying to get people to uh, be a, be a part of it. And uh, and uh, and that's what I'm saying. The rules the rules on NIL. We, we we need some. We need to get the rules where we're all playing by the same rules. And that's that's one thing that I hope that I see in the future for college basketball. Okay, and then I know you mentioned earlier about your time at Tarleton, and you had chances to, you know, kind of move up to whether it was when you were D two, maybe a mid major, or like a, even like a power five or something. What was it that you know kept you in uh, Stephenville? Well, then what kept me in Stephenville is okay. So this is a special place. I, you know, when you coached here, and you, first of all, when you take a program that been here for twenty seven years as a four year school. And they had one winning season, then you know, all of a sudden you are you're, you turn that program around, and the kids that you recruited are believing in you. It's I, I've always believed in loyalty. I didn't leave them, 
then they said, okay, I want you to become the athletic director here and be the head basketball coach both, which I did. I became the athletic director and I became the head basketball coach for almost 30 years here. And so I had a lot of responsibilities in taking this from the NAI to Division II to making sure that all the programs were successful, which we were, and continue to build the basketball program. And, of course, we have, you know, we have, we have many programs here that have been successful if you look at it. And so as I was doing that, been the, back in around early 2003, 2004, we started to look at a little bit of a Division One, and do we want to move up? And we looked at it, and it didn't. At that time, we decided we we're going to continue to build our program as, as one of the powerhouses of Division Two. We looked at it again back in around 2013 and 14. We still had not made that commitment that we wanted to move. And then, of course, as you know, back in 19, we decided it was time. And so being a part of something as an athletic director where you're a non-scholarship school in 1988 and you've made the whole 360-degree circle going from non-scholarship in NAI all the way to Division One, you know, that was something that I'll always be proud of, that I was a part of helping make those decisions and helping helping this university you know, with with a vision that we are becoming a major university at the mid-major level now and, and where we came from in the past to where we are now. Being a part of that was hard to leave. Do you ever wonder, like, from time to time, just like, what if, like, if you had ended up, um, you know, going somewhere and ended up at, like, a Power Five or anything like that, or no? You know, I've had a chance. Nope. I mean, I've had a chance to play some of those coaches. I'm not going to name the university. You can go back and look at our record, but, you know, we've We've beaten some power fives. Right. We've won some exhibition power fives. We've won some, we've won some, we've won a regular season game, some games in the power fives. Uh, We've beaten some, you know, we've beaten, we've beaten, we've had a chance to see. And I've watched some of those coaches that were actually in the conference that I was at. Chris Beard is at Ole Miss and he's at Texas. Yeah. Chris and I hooked hooked up many times when he was at Angelo State. Grant McCaslin was at Midwestern. Grant and I hooked up many times. Now Grant's the head coach to Texas Tech. Those guys moved on because they felt like that's that was their career move. I became an athletic director on top of being a basketball coach. Did that make my career move a little harder to move on? I think it did when I became so responsible for right. all yeah. the, all these people that work for me in these other sports on top of my sport. It just kind of uh, it was just I made a decision that I was going to help build Tarleton State not only into a NAIA division division two. But I'm now I want to build them into an NCAA Division One in the WAC. I want to, we want to move into being an outstanding Division One school that can compete for championships every year. So, how did you guys choose the WAC? Well, you know, I think the WAC was was courting us. They came to us. Um, they were very interested in us. They had looked at our success as a, as a Division Two university. Uh, they were taking you know, Utah Tech in at that time. And uh, I think that, you know, they were very interested. And also, I think Texas, in the geographical area of Texas, was very, uh, very appealing to them. Uh, UTRGV was already in the league. And so uh, I think that they were looking in this direction to bring some Texas schools. So you talked about the, the opportunities to go to Division One, and you guys kind of waited for the right time. So was that, like, kind of walk me through that in terms of, like, you're the AD, so you, I'm assuming you had a lot of say-so. But was it more that you had to get your president and your, you know, board on board, or was it um, more that 
kind of walk me through that process a little. Well, I think I think all of our boosters and all of our alumni know that we were looking at it in early, two, you know, around 2003, 2004. Then we were in, we continued to look at it in, in, in 12 and 13. And then uh, we had a new president come in named Dr. James Hurley. Uh, he came in with, you know, he came in with tremendous energy. Uh, he, he, he saw where the potential of this university could go. He knew the ceiling of, of how if we expanded to Division One, what the brand would mean to this university and, and, and how it would grow. And, and he looked, you know, he just didn't look at, at, at going to Division One just for the athletic department. He looked at going to this, going to Division One, what it would do for this university. Uh, on the visibility and, and can, how can we reach the ceiling and how can we keep moving, moving this university forward? And I think that he and, he and I both both agreed that this was a step that we needed to take to get this university to continue to grow, not just be a name in the state of Texas, but be a brand name in, 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 the, in the nation. And I think that we're, we're doing that right now. I think, you know, we're out there. Our name is out there all over the country. We're playing in Chicago, we're playing Phoenix, we're playing in Seattle, we're playing in Los Angeles, we're playing all over the country right now. Carleton's name is out there, it's growing. We're a part of the Texas A&M University system, we're the second largest school in the system. And we're playing for a great system in Texas A&M. And so, you know, we, we, we want to build this university into a, not just a high major athletic department, but we want to continue to build this university into a high academic university with great research, and just continue to build a profile of this university as high as it can go. Okay, so um, I guess watching, you know, the tournament, like not just this year, but the, like last year, St. Peter's, a couple of years ago, it was, um, you know, you had Abilene Christian, who was a former, you know, conference opponent of yours. Um, and then, you know, this year with like Fairleigh Dickinson, do you feel like it could be Tarleton next? I really do. I think that Tarleton is on that move. I think that if you don't have those expectations and you don't have that drive to want to be there next, then we're all in the wrong business. We want to we, we want to be that that fairly Dixon. We want to be that, that that spoiler in the NCAA. We want to continue to grow our program where people know where Tarleton State basketball is at the Division One level, and we want to build that in all of our sports right now. And I think that we have every opportunity to do that. We have uh, you know we have great backing in, in in our administration here. We have great backing with our with our uh, with our alumni and our boosters here uh, in Central Texas area, I think that you know Tarleton is on the move, and we're on the move. We're on the move, but the great thing about it is we're on the move up. We're not staying. We're not staying complacent. We are continually building, be stronger and better every day. We're here. Okay. Um, so one of the things about the um, NCA, they have that Division One or Division Two to Division One transfer. Uh, transition rule, I should say, with Merrimack, who in up in uh, near Boston, they defeated fairly. They won the conference, then they defeated fairly Dickinson in the conference tournament, but didn't get to go because of the transition rule. Is I mean, from my point of view, it just seems like a ridiculous rule. But obviously, you're more you know vested in understanding of that. What, what do you think about it? Well, you know, I think four years is. is is, is an awful long time for a student athlete to have to go through four years of transition. If you remember back in the 90s, it was only two years. Oh, okay. You went to go from Division II to Division I, it was a two-year process. And they made it a four-year process. Uh, you know, I think, you know, I think that if you're in transition and you're reclassification, that's fine. 
But I think, you know, they, they need to come in and evaluate you. After two years, if they see everything, is a, they can evaluate you and they say, hey, you're ready to go. You're in compliance. You're in academic standards are outstanding. You're, you've said you've said all your you've said everything at the table that needs to be said to be a Division One school. Then then, then, then let let, the, let that university go after two years. If they don't feel like you're ready, then push them to year three. But if you are ready, then I would like I would like to see this transition time reduced. There's no doubt about that because you know we we all talk about mental health of student athletes and and what they go through. And it's very hard for a student athlete to sit in the transition time, play all season, have a great year like Mary Mack has, and then you have to look at your student athletes and say, "Well, you can't go." That's pretty tough. Well, That's if you're tough. if you're even even in, in the transition, if you're the best team in your conference, like it seems like you'd be at a disadvantage because these other teams have been in Division One longer. So if you're to defeat them, like shouldn't you be able to go at that point? Well, I, you know, I've, I've always been in agreement. I, mean, yeah. I think that you know that, that those opportunities don't come every time. And, right. And if they're ready to, if they if they have met all the qualifications on eligibilities and academic, then then why are we keeping them away? I mean, I, that, that's why I think that you, you should be evaluated after two years, and then if you need to be pushed a year two or three or year four, then that's fine. But if you're ready to go after year two after you've been evaluated, I would like to see. I would like them to at least go back and look at this in the future, because it it, it is a you know it's, it's four years is a, is is a long time to be in transition. Now we're hey we're we're finally seeing the end of it. Next year is we're done after next year. You know? Oh, so next year you'll be eligible? No, you know no next next year is our year four. Next oh, year okay, year four. okay, so you'll be we're eligible the following year. Year four next year, and then and then we we're, we're looking at the light at the end of the tunnel. We're there. We made we made our four years after next year. And we're looking forward to uh, the next step after our transition time has been completed. So had you known Billy for a long time before you ended up hiring him as the head coach? Yeah, I've known, you know, I've been, you've crossed paths with, with, with people all the time. And uh, knew Billy, and I've, I've known most of the coaches here. You know, when, you're, when you've been in Texas, and I've been here a long time, and you get, you get to know a lot of the ADs and a lot of the a lot of the basketball coaches and, and, and other sports, too. I mean, you know, you know a lot of people. So, and then I understand you just hired a women's basketball coach, too. We did. We just hired Bill Brock. And you remember Bill Brock was spent 18 years as the associate head coach for Kim Mulkey at Baylor. Okay. And Bill was her, her you know, he, he spent 18 years there and was very, very instrumental in, in uh, being a part of her staff and the great success that, that they had at Baylor during his 18 years there. And so... We're we're excited about Bill coming over here at this time, and and bringing his knowledge and his his Power Five uh, background, and how you know they won three national championships. He said over there and won wow. twenty two Big titles, and so yeah. he has been at he has been at the top level of Division One women's basketball. He's he has seen it all, and to have his experience come over here, I've known Bill for thirty five years, and to have Bill come over here and take on you know come over to our program now on the WAC and and. Uh, Come over here and build a foundation for us. Now I'm I'm excited about Bill coming here. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was you're currently a member of the Stephenville City Council. So I mean, do you know of any other ADs or coaches that are sitting uh, city council members in addition to ADs and coaches at the college well, level? I, I don't know. I've asked people why I took that on. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I've enjoyed it. Um, I'm 
yeah, I'm enjoying the, that part of it. I get to, you know, visit with a lot of uh, council members and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of legislators. It, it's nice. It's, it's, it's uh, something that, uh, that the, the, the city thought enough of me to, to want me to become a part of the city council in Stephenville, Texas. And so looking forward to working with the city and working along with Tarleton State University, which I'm a, my life has been dedicated to. And uh, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know. There's probably somebody out there is doing what I'm doing. There's no doubt about it. Right. I hope there is. Yeah. But I don't. I can't tell you of anybody right now. So you, you just have a hard time saying no, then, huh? <laughs> yes, I do. I yeah. Guess I do. Okay. Well, where do you see Tarleton in five or ten years? Michael, I think in five or ten years, on our 2030 plan, I think Tarleton has an opportunity to have 30,000 students. I think that Tarleton will uh, be a major factor in Division One athletics. I think we will be at a mid-major plus level. And I think we'll be pounding at the door to uh, make significant um, advances in, in, in the tournaments that, that our athletic department will participate in. And you're going to see some March Madness magic from Tarleton State in the future. Awesome. We're looking forward to it. And I look forward to seeing you next time I'm down in Stephenville. Michael, come and see us. I'd love to have you. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you, Coach. Thanks for listening to the Straight Outta Whack podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting platforms. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Whack Hoops Digest and Facebook under Whack Hoops Digest for all your Whack Hoops news and information.